One, one common human experience, which is often spoken of as an emotion, but has roots deep in our beings, which surely makes it much more than an emotion, and which uh, every one of us in this room must admit that to one degree or another, and at one time or another, we've had to deal with, um, that is fear. I think of words we use uh, in the English language to describe kind of a continuum of fear. We could talk about nervousness or anxiety or fear or terror, different words that describe different degrees or intensity, and yet all of that at its root, there is an element of fear there. And in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul addresses this common human experience and he comes at it. The reason he's mentioning it is because he's speaking to Timothy in a certain situation. Timothy, we pick up from different places in the scripture, apparently was prone in his temperament. He was prone to be a fearful person or kind of a timid, a timid person. And um, he his constitution physically wasn't that strong either. So he was weak in more than one way. And yet the task that he was entrusted with was huge. He was very aware, Paul, Paul's in writing this, we remember he's aware in Second Timothy that he's on his way out. This time he's not getting out of prison physically. He's going to be released from prison by death. And so he's writing to Timothy and passing on the torch to him. So the responsibility that's coming Timothy's way is huge. The apostle Paul is dying. Um, The responsibility to care for the churches and to keep the gospel going out to another generation. Timothy is feeling the weight of that, even though he's so weak and he's prone to be timid. And then there was the opposition that he was facing there in Ephesus where there were false teachers trying to turn and twist the gospel in a different direction and people opposing Timothy. And so Paul comes to uh, the point where in speaking to Timothy, he's speaking about fear. And I think that as we look at this short verse, and you can turn with me, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verse 7. It's on page 1414, if you're using one of our Bibles here. Paul not only instructs Timothy, but through that, he instructs us about the issue of fear and how we as Christians should handle it. I'm going to start reading at verse 3 so we catch the whole paragraph. Paul says, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. 
Some English translations render verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Obviously, the, the answer to our fears is right, up, right there in verse 7. And you can see it. It's the, it's the Spirit of God that's been given to us that gives power and love and self-control. But before we think about those three parts of the ministry of the Spirit to us, I want us to think a moment about fear and what, what fear does to us. And, and I don't want to just think about it uh, unattached to the scripture but I thought of a few verses that talk about what fear does to us three conditions and there's more than this but three conditions that fear renders as realities in our own life to one degree or another um, as we allow ourselves to fear Um, Proverbs 29 25 says the fear of man brings a snare now, in this verse, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, he's the author is speaking about a particular kind of fear. I'm afraid of people. He says the fear of man. So the fear of man, I, I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. I'm afraid of people, what they'll do to me. My, my uh, actions and my thoughts are controlled by what I'm afraid of what other people are thinking or, or doing towards me. And it says in that verse, the fear of man brings a snare. A trap. You see, although that verse is speaking about fear directed in one particular area, a fear of man, a fear of people, it's speaking a truth about fear that spreads, I believe, across the whole gamut of whatever we're afraid of. And that is that it, it traps us. We're, it produces a snare in our life. We are, if I can use, be ungrammatical here, we are unfree. Um, nobody laughed at that, but that's okay. We're unfree. We're, we're slave, but you know, I have two other uns coming, so I had to get this as an un. We're unfree when we fear, when we're anxious, when we allow our fears to go where they oughtn't go. Listen also to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It's speaking about the incarnation of Christ, how the second person of the Godhead became flesh. It says this, Therefore, since the children, and that means you and I, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook the same. In other words, he then partook of flesh and blood. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Did you hear that last verse? See, Jesus came and became one of us and then died on the cross so that in his death on the cross, he's... he's um, taking all the weapons away from Satan that he had against us. He's depowering Satan over us. And he says then, and that Christ would free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Now here's another kind of fear being spoken of. It's the fear of death. 
Our, our fear of death contributes to more of our problems than we realize. It's a little hard to describe from that angle the effect that our fear of dying has on us. We all, I think we all have it. And to one degree, it's a natural and a normal thing. We're afraid to die. We're afraid of the unknown. But we don't perhaps realize what that fear does to us in making us unfree. This verse is saying that there's a slavery in our lives that is due to a fear of death that Jesus sets us free from. Amen? And for all of you, if we could take a raise of hands, but we won't do that. If we had time to talk, those of you who have had God work in your life and you have experienced the, the grip of the fear of death to, to begin to lose its grip on you so that the fear of death begins to fade away from you, you know at that point you experience a freedom in your spirit that is new and it makes you realize the slavery that you had been in. And some of you are nodding your heads. Sometimes it takes getting close to death for this to happen. But you, you, when it loses its grip on you, you have a freedom to act. You have a freedom to do things that you didn't have before. And you begin to realize, I was a slave. I was unfree because I was afraid of death. So this fear brings about in our life, we're, we're, we're unfree. But you know what else we are? Because of fear, we're unprotected. You can turn here if you want. Some of you can quote this verse, but it's Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. I don't know if you've ever thought of this verse this way before, but listen. It says, be anxious, that's fear, at its root. Anxiety is fear. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So you pray about everything that you're worried about. And then it says in verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, you can't, you can't explain it, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that when we are fearing and we're anxious and we're not dealing with that anxiety and that fear, you see, we are unprotected. Our hearts and our minds, there's a degree of vulnerability to the attack of the evil one in our lives. And it says it the opposite way here in this verse. It says that when you pray and when you actually trust God for the things that you're fearing and, you, and the peace of God settles in on you, you are guarded. Your hearts and your minds are guarded. There's a protection over you. Man, I've experienced this. I've shared before that I was a professional warrior before I became a Christian. And um, he's worked in my life and now I'm only an amateur. But those patterns were worn right into my life. And, and, and probably the pattern, the tendency will be with me till the day I die. But the victory can be mine in Christ. Amen? Just as with you. But so I know what I'm talking about here. That when, when you live with anxiety, undealt with, 
other complicating things happen in your life and in your heart and in your mind. And it's Satan taking advantage of one who is unprotected. Now Satan gets in there and starts to mess around with you. I felt it and I felt the freedom from it. We are unfree because of our fears and we are unprotected because of our fears. By the way, I'll just say this. This is a a particular. I mean, we can be unprotected and that can show up in different ways. But this isn't in my notes. So this is this comes. This is free of charge. Um, But uh, um, in your dreams at night, you, you can experience if you are anxiety ridden and you're not dealing with your fears. Um, the fact that you are unprotected can be exposed in your dreams. That at night, when you're sleeping, all kinds of stuff is happening in your head. And Satan is taking advantage of this, bringing nightmares, bringing different things in your life. Because you're unprotected. And when you settle with God in prayer over the things you're fearing, and the peace of God rests on you, your sleep and your dreams change. I testify to that. Uh, this isn't something I read in a book. It's something I've experienced. And this verse is where God's taught me what's happened. He said to me, Cliff, you're, you're going to bed unprotected and it's your own fault. Now deal with this like I've told you and things will change. And he's right. He's always right. <laughs> Now, but thirdly, another condition that fear renders as a reality in our lives is that we're unproductive. And I do want you to turn. Turn with me now to Matthew 25. It's on page 1176. 1176. And the very verse I want to read is verse 25. But I want to start back up, all the way back up in 14. Now, many of you, if you're familiar with the Bible, you've heard this this story, this parable that Jesus told. But... It's a good one. So let's, let's let Jesus tell us this again. So Matthew 25, verse 14. So Jesus is speaking. He says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents. A talent, it was a, a measurement of, of uh, worth, like dollars or something. So this is a... Um, he's given them money. So to one, he gave five talents to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey immediately. The one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more in the same manner. The one who had received the two gained two more, but he received the one went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. 
You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. See that verse? See that? The, the one who had received the one talent was afraid. There was fear. And the fear drove, them to make, drove him to make decisions. He said, so I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. He's feeling pretty good. You gave me one, I gave you back one. It's yours. I didn't lose anything. But the master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. And so we see here that the fear, the fear of this one is what paralyzed him. And so he became unproductive. Not only are we unfree when we let fears in our lives be undealt with, not only are we unprotected, we are unproductive. We don't step out and serve. We don't step out and get involved in people's lives. We hold back. You have been given gifts from God, every one of us in this room. Amen? And he gave you gifts and abilities. He's worked, um, he's worked things into your life, abilities, even your personality. And even at times, God has allowed bad things to happen to you. And as the old German said, God can hit straight with a crooked stick. And although we're not blaming God for the bad that has happened to us, we recognize that somehow in his sovereignty, he's working all that out for good. So even the bad things that have happened to me in the past that have shaped the way I am, God has made you a unique person where you can help other people and you can serve people in ways that I cannot or the person sitting next to you cannot. And maybe even the suffering in, the, in your past has made you a prime person to help someone else that no one else in this room can help them like you can help them. But you're afraid maybe of what they're going to think. Or you're afraid maybe of what will happen. Or you're afraid that maybe you'll fail like this guy. Well, at least I'll just give back what I got. No, 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 no. God wants us to step out and use what he's given us. Use what he's made us. And use it to serve people. But if we're afraid, we won't serve. If we're afraid, we will be unproductive. And so Paul now... Back to Second Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy. Maybe he's thinking this is his last time. This is his last shot to help Timothy. And he knows how important Timothy is in the scheme of things. And he doesn't want Timothy to be unfree and unprotected and unproductive. And so he says to him in verse 7 here, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline and we see in that triad there are three ways in which the holy spirit changes us and so in our time remaining i want to quickly go through this 
And then we'll move into communion. Three ways in which the Holy Spirit changes you. First of all, he gives you power. You see that again in verse 7? For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power. Power. There's different words. I don't usually do this. I don't usually pronounce Greek words because it serves no purpose because we don't know Greek. But every once in a while there's a Greek word. Who There's an English word comes from the Greek. And so it makes more sense. And the Greek word here for power is dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. That's exactly where our English word dynamite comes from. Power. And he says this is the spirit, the Holy Spirit of dynamite power is in you. And, it's, and he works in great power. Listen to another place where the same word is used. It's in Ephesians 1. Verse 19 and 20, where Paul has said earlier, it's one of these long sentences, so I'm going to drop into the middle of it. But he's saying, I pray, I'm praying that, you know, you'll understand certain things and that you understand what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. This is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen? The Spirit of God, the God, the triune God raised Christ from the dead and he's now been ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. That power is yours, Timothy. That power is yours, you today, me today. And so he's saying, don't be afraid because God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, raising from the dead power. Amen. That wasn't a strong enough amen. So I'm going to keep going on this point. Do you remember God saving you is an expression of his power? We have a little feeling on the inside. And I, I, and I know, I've got it. We all have it. We have to get, let God train us out of this. We somehow think that we actually really saved ourselves. But we did not, my friend. We actually believe. God doesn't come down inside of me and believe for me. I believe, but I would never believe if God in power hadn't changed me and made me and got me to the place where I believe. Do you believe that? It's absolutely true. The scripture says, and we don't have time to look at it. The scripture says, I was blind. I couldn't see spiritually. And he comes in power, the spirit, and opens my eyes. Amen. The the, the scripture says that I was unknowing and couldn't really know and understand the truths of the gospel and truths about Christ. And the spirit of God comes and enables me to know, to see. The scripture says that my heart was cold. That I was actually, when I, before I was saved, I was excited about all the wrong things. And I was cold and indifferent and maybe even antagonistic towards the right things. So here is my heart is actually diametrically opposed. I'm 180 degrees pointed away from Christ. But the spirit of power comes and he turns me and changes my heart. Amen. And the scripture says that my will was like iron bars that was locked fast a gate and said, no, Christ, 
you're not getting in here. I will not accept you. And then the spirit of God comes and softens me in power and breaks the bars open and works in my life till I get to the place where I believe in him and I am saved. Amen. You believe that? It's a miracle that you're a Christian. It is an absolute miracle that any of us are saved. But we sin, we walk around thinking that, well, I believed and, you know, it wasn't you. I mean, it was you, but it wasn't you. Amen. It's part of it. It's a mystery. And we acknowledge the mystery and that's, that's fine. But this I know, it was because of the spirit of power that you are even a believer. And I am a believer. And so he's worked in power in you already to save you, my friend. He will express his power in you to help you with whatever fear you have now. He expresses his power in you by overcoming whatever it is in your temperament that is standing in the way of you doing what God is asking you to do. And he also expresses his power around you by changing the circumstances or even the people or intervening in special ways in the circumstances that make you afraid. God works in resurrection power. Amen? So don't be afraid. He's saying, don't be afraid. He gives you power. Secondly, he enables you to love. Look again at verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love. And love. This is that special love that's talked about in the scriptures um, as that unconditional love. He loves us unconditionally. You don't have to do certain things in order for him to love you. But notice what this verse is saying. It's not just that you're the recipient of the spirit of love, that, that you're loved. That's true. But that's not actually what the verse is talking about. This verse is saying that the spirit of God can work in you so that you love in that way. Amen. So that now you are loving people. Think of this. When I am afraid, I'm thinking about me. But when I love, I'm thinking about the other person. Amen? See, fear makes us unproductive. Fear keeps us from serving. But, we, it, but love sets us free. Love says, well, I'm a little bit nervous about this, but I'm going to do it anyway, Lord. You're, you're nudging me to do this, so I'm going to do it. Lord, help. Oh, spirit of power, help me. Oh, spirit of love, I'm going to move. I'm not going to think about myself. I'm just going to go for it. And I'm going to serve in some way. Fear, when we're afraid, we say, well, what's he going to think? What's she going to think? Love says, what does she need? What does he need? Maybe I can meet that need. He gives you power. Therefore, trust him. Amen? He gives you love. Therefore, trust serve other people step out and serve other people and then lastly he gives you self-control in this version it says for god has not given us a spirit of timidity but of power and love and discipline it's interesting uh, some versions say self-control um 
down underneath the English here in the Greek, what's happened is this is one of these places where this word, this particular word in this verse is the only place in the Bible where it occurs. So you don't have a lot of other verses to compare it to exactly. You can go to other Greek literature and find things there. And so people talk about, well, what exactly? They try to get to the nuance of meaning of this word. This self-control, this discipline, listen to what one guy says it this way. He said, this spirit shows itself in a capacity to, to check what either by corrupt motions from within or by threats and allurements from without would lead us into foolish and perverse ways. It is the power of authoritative control and wise restraint. Another one says, it's the control over one's actions and thoughts that prevents rash behavior and aids a balanced assessment of situations. It's getting complicated. I like this one. He says it this way. It's sound-mindedness in action. I think that summarizes it. Is that that self-control, this kind of self-control given by the Holy Spirit, is one where we control what we're thinking and because of that, we're controlling what we're doing. We're keeping ourselves from letting our minds run places where they shouldn't go. And therefore, we, we don't act rashly and impulsively and we do what's right. and We don't do what's wrong. And it's saying here that God gives us a spirit of self-control so that I don't have to think certain thoughts. If I've been... If I've set a pattern in my life of negative thinking inside of me, I can be set free of that because I have been given a spirit of self-control. Amen? If I have habits in my life that are wrong, I can be set free from that because I've been given a spirit of self-control. The spirit enables me to control myself. So we think here that... I can take control of my thoughts and my actions. He gives me power, so I trust him. He gives me love, so I serve other people. He gives me self-control, so I take control of my thoughts and my actions. And by living that way, I am free and I am protected and I am productive. Amen? And so are you. I trust that God has used this in your life to help you think about your own life because all of us feel fear to one degree or another at one time or another. But God says that that fear is not from me and you're not to live like that because notice the way the verse starts again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is not from God. But the spirit of power and love and self-control is. But before I end and go into communion, I'd just like to say this. that. But for some of you, your problem with fear is rooted in something deeper than just trying to understand Scripture and appropriate the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Your problem of fear is rooted in the fact that you are not yet reconciled to God at all. You're not reconciled to God. And therefore, fear plays a great role in your life. 
Joseph Hall lived about 300 years ago. He wrote about this, and let me read what he wrote, and I'm paraphrasing it a little bit because they talked different 300 years ago. But um, He said this. He said, The one who doesn't know God is like a coward and is afraid of everything, of God because he is his enemy, of Satan because he is his tormentor, of God's creatures, because they, joining with their maker, fight against him. Of himself, because he carries about within him his own accuser. But the one who knows God is afraid of nothing. Not of God, because he knows him his best friend and will not hurt him. Not of Satan, because he cannot hurt him. Not of afflictions, because he knows they come from a loving God and end in his good. Not of the creatures, since the very stones in the field are in league with him. Not of himself, since his conscience is at peace. My friend, do you know God? Have you come to be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ? That's the very beginning and the very foundation of being set free from fear that keeps you unfree and unprotected and unproductive. It all starts with coming to faith in Jesus Christ. What we're getting ready to celebrate here is the Lord's Supper. And here at the Lord's Supper, we remember with the bread and the cup that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And in dying there on the cross, he took away our sin. He paid the penalty that we deserved. And by taking the bread and the cup, That doesn't save us. By putting our faith in Jesus Christ, that saves us. But the bread and the cup is a way of focusing our attention once again on on where our faith is placed. It's placed in Jesus Christ. And I would invite you, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, to do so this morning. To call out to God. And trust him. And if you have any questions about that, um, go to the visitor's reception. Uh, Pastor Scott will be there and talk with Scott about this and make sure that you know that you're reconciled with God. And you can become, become now set free from the fears that keep you a slave. Let's pray together. And as we pray, gentlemen, you can come forward. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for giving us the spirit of power and love and self-control. And Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that we who know you, that you've worked already in power in our lives and, and, and given us forgiveness of sins, that we would honor you with our trust and not allow our fears to rule us. And then I pray, O oh Father, for any in this room that, that has not been reconciled with you. O oh Father, work in power in them that they might trust you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.